God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with all of you. Text for our meditation this morning are the scripture readings that you heard earlier, especially the epistle and the gospel. Please join with me in a word of prayer. Good and gracious God, thank you for the blessings that you shower upon us each and every day, especially for the spiritual gifts that you have given that we might indeed serve you and other people. We pray, O Lord, that you would bless this day, that you'd bless this message, that we may apply it to our lives, that we may truly serve you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I love that song, especially when it comes to asking the question about serving. Is it I, Lord? Remember the story about Samuel? God speaking to him at night, and Samuel going oftentimes back to Eli and asking, what do you want? And Eli said, just listen. And the Lord told him what he had for him to do. And so the Lord calls us to serve as well. Our God is an amazing God. He gives to us different gifts. He gives to us different abilities for us to be able to serve. What an awesome God we have. An awesome God who has brought us together, whether you are here as a guest, whether you are here as a disciple of Jesus, God has put you here at this time, at this place for a purpose. And that is to hear his word because his word is powerful. And that word is truly here to remind us that he is the one who calls us to faith. He is the one who gives us the forgiveness of sins. And he enables us to use whatever gift or gifts he has given to us to serve him and to serve other people. Today we are finishing up our series of I Love My Church. We've been talking so much about not loving this building, but we love our God, and we love the church, the ecclesial group that God has brought together, brothers and sisters in Christ, different gifts, different abilities to be able to use for him and for his glory. And so my hope and prayer is that as we gather together on this day, we can focus upon what God's word has to say. Because it really starts off with our awesome God, our creator God, who loved the world so much that he sent Jesus into this world. And if you take a look at our gospel reading for today, you find Jesus in the upper room. And you find Jesus saying some pretty powerful things. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. This is my commandment. It's not, oh, if you feel like loving somebody, that's okay. No, it's his commandment. That you unconditionally love one another as I have unconditionally loved you. And what did Jesus do to show his disciples how much he loved them? What did Jesus do to show other people how much he loved them? Read the Gospels and you find many different things about what Jesus did, right? Jesus taught. Jesus healed. Jesus forgave. 
And how did many of the people respond? They responded by wanting him to teach them, to heal them. They wanted so much, but the spiritual leader said, no, no, you can't forgive sins. No, you can't heal on the Sabbath. No, you can't do this. No, you can't do that. And ultimately, Jesus told his disciples what would happen to him in a number of different ways. But before Jesus was arrested, before Jesus was crucified, Jesus met with his disciples in the upper room. And as he met with them in the upper room, he ate a meal with them. A meal that was so significant for God's people that it brought them all the way back to the Old Testament and the great story of God's deliverance of his people from slavery in Egypt. And God indeed gave to them this meal. A lamb had to be sacrificed. Its blood put on the doorposts. So that night when the angel of death came over their house, it passed over their house. But for all the others in Egypt, the firstborn male died. And so every year, God's people were to gather together to enjoy this meal to remind them that that lamb they ate symbolized for them what God had commanded Moses and the people to do so many thousands of years before. And they were set free. And so on that night, as Jesus gathered together with his disciples in the upper room, they gathered together, and the normal custom was that somebody would actually wash their feet, a servant. But there wasn't a servant to wash their feet, apparently. And so Jesus grabbed the towel and the basin of water, and he began to wash his disciples' feet, as a servant would do. And there's a lot of discussion that goes on about that in John 13. But once Jesus finished washing their feet, he put on his outer garments and he resumed his place as the teacher and he said to them, Do you understand what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord and you are right, for so I am. If I then your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I've given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. In a little while, many of us will not be washing one another's feet, but we will be serving. We will be serving in any number of different ways, whether it is putting nutrition bars in bags, hygiene bags together, packets for those who will be going out to visit people who have moved into our area, cleaning the Hidden Hollow Park or the Bel Air Beach, or helping to clean up around a World War II vet's home. <coughs> or maybe there's some other way we will be serving. God has given to all of us different gifts and different abilities to be able to serve. Jesus taught his disciples 
it's important to serve. But washing the disciples' feet was not the greatest act of service Jesus did. No, Jesus told his disciples in our gospel reading, greater love has no one than this, that someone lays down his life for his friends. His disciples should have known this was coming. Jesus had told them at least three different times before. In Luke 18, we have the third time Jesus told his disciples what Luke recorded for us. He said to them, see, we're going up to Jerusalem, and everything that is written about the Son of Man by the prophets will be accomplished. For he will be delivered over to the Gentiles, and will be mocked, and shamefully treated, and spit upon. And after flogging him, they will kill him, and on the third day he will rise. After flogging him, they will kill him. The cross stands prominent in our sanctuary to remind us of the way they killed him, the way we should have been, but where he was for us so that we can be free. The Old Testament lambs that were eaten at the Passover meal were simply a reminder of what was yet to come. When Jesus, the Lamb of God, would be nailed to the cross and give up his life for your sins and mine so that we are free. We are free from the three enemies, the Satan, the world, and our sinful flesh that continue to try each and every day to doubt, to turn away, to sin against God. And God in his love still comes to us once we've sinned and turned away from our sins and turned back to God in repenting and saying, God, I am sorry. And God announces to us, you are forgiven. Your sins have been paid for in full. And this is an awesome message that God has given to us that we are able to share. And it is because of that message. And it is because Jesus then ascended into heaven. And before he ascended, he said to his disciples, I'm going to send the counselor. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And he is going to give you gifts and teach you and remind you of the things that I've taught you. And so today we rejoice that God the Holy Spirit is present with us. God the Holy Spirit has given to us gifts that we are able to use in serving him. Gifts that are truly amazing. Gifts that only God can give. And how wonderful those gifts truly are. So what do superheroes and superpowers 
have to do with the church? The implications of your answer to that question for our church family can be bigger than you even imagine. So I question for you, when you were growing up, did you have a favorite superhero? Mine was Superman. We had a television show about Superman that I was able to watch. See him fly in the sky. See him take down those criminals. He had so much power. It was amazing to see the things that he could do. There's something about superheroes that people are fascinated with. I looked up the definition of superhero in Webster's, and this is what it says. A fictional hero having extraordinary or superhuman powers also. An exceptionally skillful or successful person. It's a pretty good definition, but really it's incomplete. You see, superheroes are truly more than extraordinary superpowered and exceptionally skilled people because they are able to use their abilities within a specific context to help a specific way. Think of the superheroes you know and where they were. Who was the superhero of the metropolis? or of Gotham, or of many other cities around the country. They had specific power to be used in a specific context to help in a specific way. They used their powers. And if they didn't use their powers, they were just some dude sitting on a couch somewhere. But truly... If you are a follower of Jesus, you are a superhero too. Now, I don't mean there's going to be a movie made of you. I don't mean that you're going to become famous or anything like that. But truly, the superpower you have is a power that the Holy Spirit has given to you. It's from God. And everybody doesn't have one. But we do as followers of Jesus Christ. And they are to be used in a specific context, where we are, where God has placed us in our world. In fact, part of loving our church is being this superhero, using the superpower, the spiritual gifts that God has given to us. The Apostle Paul shares with us in our epistle reading something about these different spiritual gifts and putting them in the context of the Trinity. There's a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are a variety of services, but the same Lord, Jesus. There are a variety of activities, but there it is the same God, the Father, who empowers them all in everyone, and they are all three together. That's our Trinity, isn't it? The triune God is a mystery to you and to me. The triune God is not divided the triune God is our one God who gives these gifts. But no one has them all. And what makes spiritual gifts different than talents, which are oftentimes considered to be first article gifts, because anybody, anybody has 
first article gifts because God's our creator. Take teaching, for example. How many fantastic teachers have you known in your life who are not believers in Jesus Christ? Those are first article gifts. But those who have the spiritual gift of teaching are able to teach what God's word has to say and apply it to our lives for the common good. And that's how spiritual gifts work. They're for the common good, to share the love of Jesus Christ. And there's people out in this world who are yet to hear and believe in Jesus. And that's part of why we go to serve today, is to share the love of Jesus. So people are, who are yet to hear and believe in Jesus may indeed be touched by our efforts. Not that we get any credit, not that we get any glory. God's the one who gets the glory. God's the one who wants people to be saved. We want people to be saved not for our benefit, but for their benefit. So they might have that same peace that God has given to us, the same joy, the forgiveness of sins, and the knowledge that when we die believing in Jesus, we will be with the Lord. And the day is going to come when Jesus comes in his glory and he raises us anew, and we are going to be blessed with a perfect body and live in perfect joy and harmony and peace forever and ever. But until that day, our Lord calls us to go. Our Lord calls us to serve. May we respond. Here am I. Amen. Please stand. The peace of God which passes our human understanding guard and protect us in the Christian faith until life everlasting. Amen.